Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. Great to see some new faces. Great to see uh, some babies up here this morning. So good. We're going to be diving into the book of James this morning. Uh, last week, we only got one verse deep. By the way, we started our new church year. Our, our church year runs from September to September. And we began our new church year last week. And in spite of COVID and, and everything else that's been going on over the past year, we had a really good year for our church. We actually finished the year with 29 baptisms for the year, which I felt was a pretty good start uh, for 2021 and the last part of 2020. And let me just say this, my tenure here actually lines up with our church calendar, and it's been a privilege over the past year to have been your pastor. So thank you for all your patience, for all your prayers. Thank you for your support. And I'm just excited to see what God does over the next year and the years to follow. This morning, we're going to be looking at James chapter 1, verses 2 through 12, if you'd like to turn there. We'll also have it on the screen for you. And we're talking about having joy for the journey this morning. How many knows that life can be quite a journey, right? Life can take you on some unexpected twists and turns. It can take you down some paths that you never even thought you'd go down. And as many have experienced over the past couple of years especially, if we're not careful, things that come up in life can actually rob us from our joy. And one of the things that James is teaching us this morning is that we're supposed to have joy regardless of what life throws our way. And that true joy is rooted, one, in a deep faith in God, but also this commitment to living for God. And we'll see that this morning. And what we actually learn from James, this is, this is the tough stuff right here. James is going to hurt us. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's going to hurt What we learn from James is that there is a spiritual benefit for us to all these temporary trials of life. Let's look what James has to say. James says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect. So that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his exaltation, but let the rich boast in his humiliation, because he will pass away like a flower of the field. For the sun rises, and together with the scorching wind dries up the grass. Its flower falls off, and its beautiful appearance perishes. In the same way, the rich person will wither away while pursuing his activities. Blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, He will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. What we're talking about this morning, this joy, 
True joy, biblical joy, goes much deeper than happiness. It goes much deeper with contentment, much deeper than just satisfaction with life. This kind of joy, this fruit of the Spirit kind of joy, transcends any and all circumstances that we find ourselves in in life. D.L. Moody, who we mentioned last week, said this about joy. He said, I think there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is caused by things which happened around me, and circumstances will mar it. But joy flows right on through trouble. Joy flows on through the dark. Joy flows in the night as well as in the day. Joy flows all through persecution and opposition. It is an unceasing fountain bubbling up in the heart. A secret spring which the world can't see and doesn't know anything about. Then he says this. He says, the Lord gives his people perpetual joy when they walk in obedience to him. That's exactly what James is talking about here in James chapter 1. So if we're going to have joy for the journey, as we look at this passage, three things that we've got to do. And the first thing we've got to do is change our perspectives. Lord knows that's easy, right? When James says, consider it joy when, not if, but when you experience these various trials, when you face various trials. Listen, there's one thing about life. If you live life long enough, you're going to face some kind of difficulty. You're going to face some kind of trial. Now, I'm not trying to discourage you. That's just life. Life is going to happen. The language that James uses here for experience or for face, as some translations say, it paints the picture of a a traveler who suddenly, out of the blue, comes up on some kind of trouble. In James's day, it would have been someone traveling down the road and all of a sudden being overrun by robbers. Think about today, you're driving down the road and all of a sudden your tire blows out and you, you run into somebody. That's what he's saying. All of a sudden, you're faced, you're confronted with this problem. Even a ship that suddenly runs up on a shoal. That's how most of the most devastating things in life happen, don't they? Unplanned. Out of the blue, all of a sudden, all of a sudden you find yourself facing sickness. You find yourself dealing with COVID and quarantine. You find yourself facing the loss of a loved one or suddenly facing something that you just can't understand or wrap your mind around. But because things are going to happen, James would tell us that we have to be prepared to respond to them appropriately or really to respond to them in a spiritually mature way. That's what he's trying to teach the church. Or else, if we don't, We will find ourselves robbed of our joy, of our peace, even our love for other people if we're not careful. So James says we are to consider it great joy or pure joy when these things happen. Now what this requires us to do is to look at our situation, even this this terrible, tragic, maybe traumatic situation that we find ourselves in. We have to look at it in a completely different way. Now our natural reaction, right? This is the way we're hardwired. This is the way that we're, we're made. Our natural reaction is that when something bad happens to us or if, if something challenges us or if something makes us even uncomfortable, we say, well, that's bad. We, we don't like it. And, I, and I'm not saying that things in life aren't going to hurt. There's going to be some things that you go through and there's, there's some things that a lot of you have already gone through. They were devastating, and it was so painful you can't even put it into words. But what James is telling us to do is to view even the most painful things in life as a pure cause for incredible joy. At just 16 years old, a young man was captured 
He was kidnapped and taken from his home by a group of pirates. And he was sold into slavery at 16 years old and taken to another country from where he was from. And he was forced to work outside as a slave, as a shepherd, in the harsh Irish weather for six long years. And then finally God provided a way for this man to escape and to make it back home. And you look at his life story and you wonder, how can God use Even these wasted years of a a young man's formative childhood going into adulthood. But what those years did for St. Patrick was they revealed to him the lostness of this pagan nation of Ireland. And it showed him that they desperately needed to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what St. Patrick did through God's leading is he actually went back to Ireland, not as a slave of men, but as a slave and servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And through that, history tells us that thousands of pagan Irish people, probably some of mine and your ancestors, were saved through his ministry in Ireland. The whole nation was radically changed because of St. Patrick's ministry. Now, chances are, if those six years, those trials had never happened in his life. Chances are, St. Patrick never would have evangelized Ireland. Never would have had the maturity or the the spiritual fortitude to take the gospel to these pagan dark people in this dark place. James teaches us that we can have joy in these circumstances, not only because God will use the situation for good, but that the situation is actually good for us. (laughs) We need the pain in order to grow and mature. Folks, this is a tough pill to swallow. As you study what James is really saying here, this is a hard lesson. As some of Jesus' listeners said, said, Teacher, this is, this, is hard to, this is a hard teaching, a hard lesson. To think that we actually need trials and difficulties in our lives in, in order to grow somehow. But we do. James says, what does he say? He says, the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so you may be mature and complete last lacking nothing it's it's like a diamond we're much like well most of us are getting there we're, we're like diamonds right under intense pressure over time that they, they begin to transform and change and like us solid mature christians are, are polished we're refined we're transformed into something more christ-like james says through the testing of our faith which produces this endurance so think about it how can we ever know true happiness if we've never experienced sorrow how can we know what real peace in life feels like if we've never been through some of those chaotic moments that life tends to take us through so what we what we do when we face these trials we got to begin looking at, at the big picture not just focus on the problem not just focus on the trial not even even relish in the the trial which we like to do so poor little pitiful me, right? No, we look at it in a whole different light and we find joy knowing this, as tough as it is, this is producing something. This is producing something in me of lasting value. But here's the caveat to that. James teaches us that it takes incredible trust in God to look at the worst that life has to offer and say, I've got faith in you, God, that somehow there's some good in this. And that's the second thing we have to do is we have to commit to God's plan. In verses 5 through 8, James ties wisdom to believing and not doubting. 
And I think what he's getting at is that true biblical wisdom is first and foremost living for the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10, it's the chaplain core Bible verse actually. And it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. James will go on to say in chapter 3, I want to skip ahead and read this to you. James talks a little bit more about wisdom. And to give you some context of what he's saying, he says this in chapter 3. He says, who among you is wise? And understanding by his good conduct, not by knowing how everything's supposed to work, not by having all the answers, but by his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in the gentleness. It comes from wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, even demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice. Have you ever seen that? He says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy, good fruits, unwavering, and without pretense. Folks, if you want wisdom, I think the Bible is very clear. God will give you wisdom. But even wisdom, even this understanding of life through God's eyes. It requires a very, very deep, sincere faith. And here's why. If you're going to find joy in any circumstance that life puts you in, right? You've got to trust that the God in control of all circumstances is a good God. And that because He is a good God, that means all of His plans, all of His purposes, even His will for your life, even the, the, the purpose of you being where you are today is good. And and I'll just be honest with you, that takes a lot of faith. It takes a commitment to God's plan for your life. And and to look at that place that you are today and wholeheartedly say, God, what the enemy meant for evil in this situation, I know that you mean it for good. And you will use it for good. It may be for my good. It may be for the good of somebody else. It may be for the good of your glory. But I'm going to trust you no matter what circumstance I find myself in. No matter what trial I face. God, if it's cancer or if it's criticism, if the cats lose the ball game or if I lose a loved one, I trust you because you are good. But when we don't trust God this way, what does James tell us? He says we're unsteady. That we're unstable in everything that we do. Have you ever felt that way in life? You ever felt just unsteady and uneasy? As James, he says, even double-minded, you're just kind of back and forth. However life leads you from day to day. You're one way today, you're another day tomorrow. You're up, you're down, you're headed this way, then you're headed that way. You're just blown here and there by the storms of life. You just want something solid. Something normal. What you got to do is a grasp. God's plan for your life in trust, in faith and hang on to that plan for dear life wherever it takes you James will tell you stop doubting don't doubt don't be an unbeliever when it comes to God's plan it's kind of like Joseph to me when I, when I was going through these verses it reminded me of Joseph and the coat of many colors a story that many of us learned in Sunday school it's one of my favorite passages of scripture looking at Joseph's life God gives Joseph this this vision 
of what his life is supposed to look like. But then Joseph is betrayed. He's sold into slavery. He's taken down to Egypt. And for years, Joseph found himself facing trial after trial after trial. But still, God had given Joseph the dream, right? He'd shown Joseph what his plan was for his life. And I believe that Joseph clung on to that dream the entire time because he trusted God and he was fully committed to God's plan for his life regardless of what he had to go through to get to where God was taking him. He was faithful to God when he was in the pit. He was faithful to God when he was in the prison because he believed with all of his heart one day God was going to put him in the palace. You see, God doesn't lie. God doesn't make mistakes. Now, we make a lot of mistakes. People in our lives will make a lot of mistakes. The pastor will make a few mistakes. But God does not fail. God does not do any wrong. He does not make mistakes in your life. He didn't make a mistake when He made you. And so you can trust God with every part of your life, even through the pits, even through the prisons. And that takes us to the last point this morning. This is where the rubber meets the road. We have joy. When we cling to God's promises. James wraps up his passage with some very real life advice. And he discusses the difference between the rich and the poor. He says, let one boast in his exaltation. Let one boast in his humiliation. And what James is really reminding us is that whatever situation we find ourselves in in life, it's a cause for reflection. Spiritual reflection. And for the poor, for the hurting, for those experiencing the pains of life... He's saying you have no excuse for bitterness, for not loving anymore, for a lack of joy, for the, the, the rich, for those that seem blessed, those that seem to have it all. He's saying you've got to avoid this temptation, guys, to glory in your circumstances, to glory even in your material wealth, but instead remain humble, even generous. Because here, here, here it is, because one day... For the rich, for the poor, for everybody in between. And likely it may be all of a sudden. But one day, every person's life will come to an end. And all of the trials will be over. All the wealth and the material things that James says, it's going to wither away. But here's what happens in verse 12. This is the promise. What, I want to read verse 12 again. He says, But blessed is the one who endures trials. Because when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. There's that word again, endure. We don't talk a whole lot about endurance and perseverance in church anymore, do we? He says for those who endure those various trials, there's a promise. There's a crown of life. There's eternal life. And so, so why would you change the way you look at life? Why would you change your perspective? Why would you desire the wisdom to see everything through God's eyes? Why would you seek to live for Him and be committed to His plan for your life? James wraps it up by saying it's because you love Him. And you love Him, John would tell us, because He first loved you. How many are thankful for the promise and the hope of eternity? I am. There's some days that's the only thing that's going to get you out of bed. There is a hope that brings us joy because it transcends all time. 
It transcends all history. It's the joy of knowing that whatever this life brings, this temporary life, whatever trial we may have to face, whatever we may lose or we may endure, one day we have this hope of a promise in God that we will be freed from everything in life that we have to endure. All of this stuff, one day it's all going to go away. All of the trials, the Bible says one day for, for, for us, church, there will be no more pain. That there will be no more sorrow. The Bible says all of those tears that you've had to cry, all those nights that you've stayed up crying yourself, just trying to go to sleep. The Bible says one day God himself will wipe away every tear from your eyes. And there's going to be nothing but the purest joy as we enjoy God's complete presence for the rest of eternity. Now you can cling to that promise today, this week, this year, for the rest of your life. You can hold on to that promise. And you think, that sounds great, preacher, but how do I, how do I, you don't know what I've been through, man. It don't matter. You can have joy when your life falls apart. You can have joy when you lose the job, when your career takes on a sudden change and you're not making what you used to make anymore. You can have joy when you lose your family. You can have joy when you lose, lose your spouse of 60 plus years and they go on to be with Jesus. You can have joy when you lose your child because you know deep down in your heart and you've got the trust and the faith to say, God, I know that you are a God of your word. And when you say that you, God, are working all things together for my good, I believe you. And I'm going to cling to that promise. James says, though, you've got to endure. And this is the tough part, is the enduring. He says, you've got to stand the test. And you got to love God, even when you don't feel very loving. If you're going to cash in on the promise. And I think what James is telling us in a roundabout way, and this is the truth, is that you can't endure it. There's some things that's just too heavy for you to do. You can't endure it. You can't stand the test without the Lord's help. If you don't have Jesus... You're like this person James talked about that's blown here and blown there and, and, and life is just tossing you around like a rag doll. And without him, not only will you be miserable in this life, but friend, you ain't got no hope for eternity. And you can't have joy. So this morning, if that's you, I'm all, just very simple. If that describes your life, would you just trust Jesus today? Trust Him with your life. Trust His plan for your life. If you're not saved, simply trust Him for salvation and for the hope of eternal life this morning and be saved. Church, let's stand together and pray. Father, this is a hard teaching. Lord, it's hard for us to change our perspective on life. Lord, our natural tendency 
when things don't go our way, when we don't understand, when we can't understand, is to question you. To even be angry with you. Why, God, would you let this happen? And God, I pray this morning you would give us wisdom like Job had. When we face these trials, to say, first of all, I know that my Redeemer lives. And the Lord gives and He takes away. And I'm going to praise Him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I know that He's working everything out. I trust Him. God, make our faith that strong this morning. God, a lot of us have simply been beaten up with life. And we're carrying around a lot of baggage. And we may be Christians. We may have been following you for a long time. But God, somebody needs to just turn all of that hurt and all of that pain back over to you. And find some healing and some peace today. Father, if there's someone here that doesn't have a relationship with you, they need to be saved, God, I pray you give them the courage to step out in faith and walk into a relationship with Jesus Christ and be saved this morning. No matter where we are this morning, God, we love you. We know that you are a good, good Father. And we trust your will and plan for our lives, for our church, and even for our children, Lord. Thank you, God, for being so good and loving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, if you need to come and if you just need to pray and talk to God, this altar is open. If you want me to pray with you, it would be my privilege. If there's a decision that you need to make, if you need to be saved this morning, if you're considering church membership, why don't you come today as we sing a song of invitation? Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.